Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm Editor-in-Chief of the Charlotte Post. And with me for this episode is Adam Sperling, who is Executive Director of the President's Cup, one of the more prestigious uh, golf events on the planet. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Adam. And uh, I guess let's just jump right on in. The President's Cup is a pretty big deal in the golf world, and it's headed to Charlotte this year. Uh, Talk a little bit about why Charlotte and why this year. Yeah, thanks. Great to be with you. And uh, I guess I'd I'd answer that real briefly by saying I think Charlotte's a pretty big deal in in the golf world. Um, You look at the history of professional golf, uh, you know, dating back, uh, you know, three, four decades, and the momentum that's been built, uh, you know, from the years of the Kemper, you know, through the the early years of the tour event, and obviously a successful PGA Championship in 2017, um, I think, you know, a global event like the President's Cup that began in 1994 and continues to elevate itself within the game of golf uh, as it travels the world has arrived in Charlotte uh, really at a perfect time, you know, both for the growth of, of golf, you know, in Charlotte and the Carolinas, as well as the, the, the growth of this event, um, you know, highlighted off of a really thrilling 2019 event in uh, Australia where Captain Tiger Woods and, and Captain Ernie L's teams, you know, battled to the, the very end of, of Sunday singles. Um, so really, you know, couldn't be in, in a better place at a better time both for the event, uh, you know, and and the market here. Now, Charlotte is the fifth U.S. site for the President's Cup, uh, and I guess you know when you talk about the hallowed grounds of American golf, you know, to be number five, I guess that's a pretty big deal too. Well, uh, number five, uh, number one in the Southeast, right? So the the early years of the event. Um, <clears throat> You know, the, the number of, of, of planes were held at uh, RTJ up in Virginia. And, uh, you know, it doesn't get uh, much better than, than Muirfield in, in Dublin, Ohio. Um, beautiful, you know, scenic uh, events in San Francisco as well as uh, New York City and, and Liberty National on the most recent play. But, uh, you know, whether it's it's the passion for golf in the southeast, um, the phenomenal layout that, that Quail Hollow affords, um, which is really just going to be highlighted, uh, you know, with match play, given the unique nature and format of the event. Um, it's it's a perfect spot. It's, it's a perfect spot for the competition. Uh, it's a perfect uh, venue and layout, and it's going to be a wonderful week, um, both inside and outside the ropes. Now, for those of us who may not be that familiar with the President's Cup, uh, how does it work? It's, uh, it's match play, but kind of give us the thumbnail edition of what it's all about absolutely um good question so most of the golf uh we watch week in and week out is stroke play which is uh, a field normally around 156 guys that are trying to you know finish four rounds of golf 72 holes in as few strokes as possible um for our event it's the top 12 americans in the world taking on the top 12 players from outside the U.S., excluding Europe. So, so they're, they're referred to as the international team. And in match play, it's, it's you versus me. And, and we're going to go out there and we're going to play for a point. And whoever has the most points at the end of four days of competition is declared the winner. So there's different formats each day. Um, on Sundays, you and I will just play each other heads up. That's called singles. And earlier, 
earlier in the week, uh, there's a number of formats, uh, foursomes and four-ball, uh, in which you know you and I would compete against each other, but we'd have a partner um, along with us. And uh, in four-ball, um, whichever one of the four of us has the low strokes on a hole, we win the hole. In foursomes, uh, we would alternate shots. Um, and, and again, whoever has the fewest number of strokes on a hole would win the hole. Um, not all matches will go all the way through the 18th hole um, because if, if one side gets up by a number of holes and there's not that many holes left to complete, it's over, right? If you're three up with two holes left, you get your point. Um, so that's actually why we've rerouted Quail Hollow and uh, you know, very popular and familiar areas like the, the Green Mile will come into play earlier in the match to make sure that uh, fans uh, you know, and television audience are able to watch thrilling competition on these very exciting holes um, you know, and not, not have to worry about missing them because the match ended you know, prior to the 18th hole. So, it, in other words, it's being rerouted to maximize the drama, to make sure that the best holes, the toughest holes, the ones that fans really are familiar with and like, those will be part of the attraction as opposed to maybe one side running away with it and then it's like ho-hum and let's keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, what's wonderful about match play is, is unlike uh, stroke play, you know, par is, is less relative. Um, you know, par is the, the number on the scorecard, um, you know, that you're shooting for or, or you're shooting to better. But as long as you and I are playing the same hole, um, one, you know, whoever has the better score is, is all that matters. So there's a lot at the match committee's uh you know, disposal when it comes to moving tees up, moving the routing around, really to create the most thrilling uh, and compelling competition as possible. So that's what you're going to see out here at Quail in September. Okay. And so you're the executive director of the President's Cup, and I would imagine that there may be a little bit of confusion among novices and people who aren't as familiar with uh, with golf uh, between the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. And Ryder is older, uh, but in terms of the, and you mentioned how they differ uh, in terms of, the, I guess the Ryder Cup is the U.S. versus Europe. And you're talking about the U.S. versus the rest of the world with the President's Cup. Uh, is there, you know, are there other differences between the two? Uh, well, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, that, that's primarily the difference. I think, you know, the, the other big difference, and, and certainly relative to those here, you know, in Charlotte and the Carolinas, is that uh, the Ryder Cup competition is condensed uh, into three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have a.m. and p.m., or morning and afternoon uh, foursomes and four ball on Friday and Saturday, and then they have their Sunday singles. We actually uh, spread the competition out over an extra day. So Thursday is our opening day of our matches, and rather than double up in the morning and the afternoon on Thursday and Friday, we'll actually play five matches Thursday, five matches Friday, and then the Saturday and Sunday is identical. So uh, in our event, uh, the guys are competing uh, you know, for, for two additional points. Um, over one additional day. So, you know, it just increases, uh, you know, the opportunity to come out and, and be a part of it, um, which, is, which is valuable because, you know, as we look at the demand currently uh, for the product, um, Thursday tickets are, are about what's left. So, um, you know, it's an exciting day. 
everything gets kicked off on the first tee, opening ceremony, celebration, and regala. So um, that is the main difference, other than, as you mentioned, you know, the participants on the opposite side of the U.S. team. Yeah. And you talked about the first tee. That has been remade to turn it into a unique fan experience, at least as far as Quail Hollow is concerned. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, it's going to be great, and I think um, that's a consistency across um, match play, whether it's domestic in the United States, ourselves, or the Ryder Cup, or uh, you know, on the international planes of both events, is that the first tee, um, unlike in the majority of stroke play events, is an area um, where there's a lot of passion, a lot of attention, a lot of excitement. I think you, you go back to 2012 at Medina, which is a property we'll be playing at in 2026, and um, you actually had some players. Bubba Watson was hyping up the crowd to make noise as he hit his opening drive. So uh, we all continue to challenge ourselves um, into into imagining a first tee experience that really stands out and, and is memorable. Uh, you know, both for those that are able to participate as well as those who who take it in on television. And uh, our first tee uh, here at Quail Hollow will will be very dynamic. Probably the most dynamic first tee we've ever constructed with blending, uh, you know, fan enhancements, uh, you know, 1,300 square foot video board, uh, the largest first tee um, that, that we've had, close to 2,500 spectators, you know, we'll be able to, to pile in there um, to, for, for a view of those opening tee shots. And then also we've got a, a variety of corporate um, hospitality mixed in as well. So just a lot going on um, to really make sure that, that people are able to take advantage of that unique setting that this match play event offers. Now, the other big Charlotte connection to this year's uh, play is Davis Love, who's coming home for uh, for this as a U.S. captain. Uh, talk about having that connection uh, to this year's President's Cup. Well, how neat is that? Right? I mean, that's, uh, that's something that probably hasn't happened an awful lot um, in the history of either of these, you know, match play events. So um, certainly Davis being born in Charlotte uh, resonates. He was a three-time All-American uh, at the University of North Carolina. Uh, a lot of Tar Heels uh, in Charlotte. I don't have to tell you that. Um, you know, but, but for somebody who has seemingly, you know, been there and, and done everything, you know, in the world of golf, uh, right? He's won the Players' Championship. He's won a major uh, World Golf Hall of Famer. He's led a victorious, uh, you know, American Ryder Cup team. Um, hadn't led a President's Cup event uh, yet, and and to do it in his hometown, um, in a, in an area where you know he's uh, you know adored as he should be, um, is going to create. You know, just a really special week, I imagine, for him. And, and I think, uh, you know, certainly the players uh, that are playing for him are going to want to deliver, um, knowing, you know, how important this area is. Yeah, and the uh, the captain's assistants, I guess, Zach Johnson, Fred Couples, a couple of pretty well-known guys uh, in the golf world. And then, uh, I guess, with the, the international team, uh, Trevor Immelman uh, from South Africa, Mike Weir, KJ Toy, you know, all of these guys are top-notch golfers, and when you have an event like this, I would imagine you want the very, very best that you can get your hands on playing in this tournament. Yeah, and I, I, a lot goes into that. Um, you know, certainly as, as spectators, you see a lot of familiar faces on the U.S. side, but I think you really have to give a lot of credit on the international side and, and looking at 
you know, how those captains build out their leadership, uh, you know, with their assistance and, and certainly, you know, what Trevor's done this year. Um, it's, it's no easy task to blend 12 men from, uh, you know, an area as large as the world. Um, so when you look at, uh, you know, those who comprise Trevor's team, you know, you'll have representatives from South America, from North America, from Asia, from Australia, from, from, you know, from Africa. And those assistants play vital roles in, in kind of helping, you know, forge, uh, you know, 12 men from around the world into one singular unit that they're playing, you know, they're playing for their team, they're playing for each other. So um, I think it's, it's very obvious when you look at kind of how, how Trevor's built that leadership squad where, you know, he's got Mike Weir from Canada, he's got Jeff Ogilvie from Australia, KJ Choi, Korea, and then, uh, yeah, Camilo Vajegas, um, you know, to, to kind of bring in that, that uh, you know, familiarity from, from South America. So, um, they're, they're really important and they're really cohesive and they play a big role in bringing these teams together and figuring out kind of which, which points to push um, to make sure that their team's in a position to compete. Now, both, both teams will have 12 golfers each. Uh, six, I guess, will make the team based on world rankings. And then the other six are going to be picked. Uh, so these folks, do they have leverage or the leeway to pick whoever they like? Or is there some sort of formula based on, on those rankings as well in terms of who's, who's picked for, the, for that other six? Well, I'm sure both teams have have a bit of what they might consider their secret sauce, um, and that's why they've got the flexibility. Uh, you know, the, the qualification window was extended when the event got pushed back an extra year, so um, different years, uh, you know, play different roles when accumulating points from a qualification process. But you know, over a longer period, uh, it's probably important to make sure that just because somebody was playing really, really well in 2020. Uh, they may not be the hot hand that one of the captains wants to go with come fall of 2022. Um, golf's definitely a, a game where you can see, you know, the ebb and flow. And um, both teams have been playing extremely well um, of late. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be really exciting to see kind of how those teams come together. And I'm sure, you know, quite a bit can change between uh, now and September. So you look at a, a run like like. You know what Scotty Scheffler's been on for the U.S. team, or you know Cam Smith's been playing incredible for the internationals, and there's so much talent and depth on both sides that you know it, it wouldn't surprise anybody if somebody had a nice six, eight week run over the summer or or the end of the summer uh, and really shot up that leaderboard. So the, the captains are going to want to maintain the flexibility to make sure that if, if somebody's playing really well uh, and they can they can be a valuable member of the team. They've, they've got a window to, to slide them in. Momentum means everything, especially in sports. So uh, now one other thing, just to shift some gears here a little bit, for the first time, there's an added extra piece of the President's Cup experience with the Charlie Sifford Centennial Cup. Talk a little bit about that as, as part of the lead-up to the President's Cup. Yeah, that's something uh, I think everybody's really excited about, um, providing the opportunity for, for six HBCU golf programs to come play Quail Hollow three weeks out, the President's Cup routing and format, um, you know, a very significant infrastructure build. Um, 
obviously having Johnson C. Smith here in Charlotte as, as our host and looks like Livingstone is going to qualify as well on, on the D2 side. So um, it's going to be wonderful for those 24 uh, you know, young men to, to have uh, a really unique competitive experience um, out here at Quail. I think, you know, very few people, uh, you know, have played Quail Hollow, you know, fewer have, have been able to play it, um, you know, in a President's Cup uh, layout, and then even fewer will have been able to say they competed on it. So, you know, there'll be 24 professionals at the end of September that, that could say that, and there'll be 24, you know, student athletes at the end of August uh, will have said that. So it's it's a fun uh, exhibition. It's going to be a great opportunity and, and memory for, for those that are lucky enough to qualify and compete, um, and really celebrating a, a great man. Um, you know, whose legacy has meant an awful lot uh, to a lot of people. And, you know, the fact that he was born in Charlotte, uh, spent the first 17 years in his uh, of his life here, and, and then went on to, you know, break the color barrier on the PGA Tour and win tour, two PGA Tour events and become a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, uh, among so many other accomplishments and contributions uh, during his life, uh, you know, really just... Um, you know, couldn't be happier that, that all those stars aligned and, and were able to, you know, play a small role in, in celebrating his legacy uh, this year. Yeah, and then that's something that really blows my mind that you've got this confluence of all these different things that are coming together. You got Davis Love, who's from Charlotte. You got Charlie Sifford, who was born and then raised here. You've got the HBCUs right up the road in uh, in Johnson C. Smith and their arch rival Livingstone participating, uh, perhaps uh, in the Centennial Cup. And it's Charlie Sifford's 100th birthday. <laughs> it's like what a magic sauce. Yeah, well, I say when the stars align, but, you know, maybe when things are meant to happen, they're meant to happen, right? And and there's a celebration throughout the PGA Tour all year uh, because this this would have been, you know, the year of of Charlie's 100th birthday. So it's the Charlie Sifford Centennial. And had we not pushed back a year, uh, you know, due to COVID, uh, you know, we would have played this event during, you know, his 99th, uh, you know, uh, birthday celebration. So... Um, really neat and uh, I I think you know sometimes things come together because they're just meant to be and um, this event is going uh, to be an incredible experience for for so many um, with with so many uh, hands having played a role in in getting it here to Charlotte um, in building the event you know over the last 30 years uh, in building golf in the Carolinas and at Quail over the last 30 years that um you know, it's just enhanced by, by all these other special pieces that are able to, to come into play. Now, another maybe less well-known part of the PGA experience in professional golf uh, in the United States is the philanthropic end of it. You know, everybody talks about, you know, the actual golf itself, and that's why everybody shows up and plays, right? But on the other hand, there is a community connection, and this year, the President's Cup, just like in other years, uh, is doing things for charity. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, well, I think what's been what's been unique is that over uh, the prior planes, the President's Cup's raised, uh, you know, north of $54 million um, for, I want to say, you know, probably around 450 plus charities throughout the world. So, you know, rather than coming together and, and playing for a purse, our, our players, uh, you know, receive charitable stipends that they're able to distribute to worthy causes um, from, you know, 
variety of, of locations, um, you know, whether it's where the events played, um, where where the players reside, where they were born, where they went to college, uh, you know, youth programs, um, you know, education, you know, healthcare, um, literacy, you know, whatever. Um, it's a very broad scope. Uh, you know that that's able to benefit um, from the event, and I think that's unique to our event, unique um, to to lots of global events, and and really something that's special for uh, you know the players uh, as well as the communities and and groups that benefit. So let me ask you this: uh, how how often will you be in Charlotte between now and the start of the tournament? Uh, probably every waking moment. Um, we actually. Uh, <laughs> I arrived here in uh, early 2018, March of 18, um, which marked uh, the earliest, you know, we had kind of set up uh, staff in market. Um, our, our team has grown uh, since then and throughout the years. We've got uh, seven people who live in Charlotte and have been working on this event for a number of years now. Uh, so we've been building out at Quail Hollow for the last five weeks. Uh, it's about a five and a half month build, and I think the uh, the traffic in and out, um, you know, between now and September, uh, will only increase with with additional members of the PGA Tour team as well as uh, you know outside vendors and and groups that are responsible. It's a it's a big traveling circus at times, um, and, and there's all just thousands of people that come into play to, to put on a production. So. Um, Probably not the time of year that, that any of us in Charlotte will be leaving, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and if you've ever been to the Wachovia, the former Wachovia, now the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail, you have an idea of what that traffic looks like, and so I would imagine that this will be probably a little busier, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's the, the format that we talked about will create some, some different uh, you know, logistics uh, for people to, to consider when they come. Uh, we won't have as many people on site as, as you know, a PGA championship or, or something like that just because of the amount of play. Uh, we're going to limit attendance to, to probably max out around 40,000 people a day, um, which is a lot of people on a course when five matches are going on. So um, our team has spent a lot of time thinking about how we activate the entire property um, to make sure that, you know, when you want to watch golf, you can watch golf. When you want to visit, uh, you know, a culinary experience or an interactive zone or go shopping or, you know, watch via video boards, um, you know, you just have a lot at your um, at your disposal depending on, on how you want to enjoy. So um, the entire property will, will absolutely be activated, um, you know, throughout the duration of each day, and there'll be a lot for people to take advantage of. Outstanding. Well, we're going to leave it there. And Adam, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And for all of you out there who are listening to us, uh, be sure to drop in on our website, www.thecharlottepost.com. Check out Sports Charlotte on Queen City Podcast Network, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, the usual suspects. And again, Adam Sperling, Executive Director of the President's Cup at Quail Hollow Club. It's September. So go out and grab those Thursday tickets. Those are the only ones left now, right? Uh, there, there might be a couple Sunday, but but Thursday is going to be your, your most economical uh, offering right now while, while they're still there. Don't, don't wait until the fall. <laughs> yeah. As soon as this podcast is over, go out and get those tickets. So for everybody at the office with the Charlotte Post and for Adam, my name is Herb White. Thanks for listening. 
queencitypodcastnetwork.com.